Good afternoon, everyone. This is Blake Ruby, the Reverend Blake Ruby. Welcome to my show, The Church of the Soul's Evolution, where I talk about spirituality. Spirituality is where it's at. I am a reverend for the Universal Life Church. I really like the sound of that, Universal Life Church. And indeed, there is life elsewhere in the universe, my friends. Anyway, I have some some things planned for the show today, in particular, reading from different books. And I like to, I was just telling Dawn, I went to my Toastmasters Club meeting. I'm a member of three clubs working on my public speaking. And by the way, if you want to really improve your public speaking skills, I suggest that you get a radio show from EBS Radio. Because to be able to talk for an hour is an incredible thing. And it behooves anyone who wants to get over that nervousness, those butterflies in the stomach, to know that you can talk for an hour at least. You know, it's a great thing. If you're passionate about whatever subject, whether it's spirituality or the Bible or religion or anything, politics, Contact BBS Radio and get your own show, you know. It's a great thing, indeed. And I've been with BBS Radio. I've had my own show with them since 2017, approximately. I can't remember exactly when, maybe February of 17. So I'm going on six years. And I have a show once a week. But before, it used to be twice a month. Anyway, how are you? Did you have a good week? A whole week has gone by since my last show, and I love my show. I talk about whatever comes to mind. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm getting a drink of water here. I don't <clears throat> usually plan things. Ah, that's some good water. Ozarka. I like to be spontaneous, you know, with my speaking impromptu thinking off the cuff, thinking on my feet kind of thing. I've been all throughout the week, I think of different things I want to say at my radio show, during my radio show. And otherwise, I just let it flow freely, you know, because I've learned that if you memorize something or if you got something planned, it doesn't always turn out the way you want it to. You know, I I know that being a member of Toastmasters and giving speeches, you got the speech that you you wanted to give the speech that you practiced to give, then you've got the speech that comes out afterwards, which is usually not like the first two. So the main thing is to enjoy myself and focus on the things that I love to talk about. And I'm a well-read person. I read a lot. In my job, I read a lot. I'm a very attention-to-detail person, very meticulous with the word. And I've had the wonderful opportunity over the years to read some incredible books on spirituality. So what I've learned from other people, I impart to the listeners of my radio show. And I know that throughout the world, in different places around the world, people are listening 
And not only that, but what I'm saying is getting recorded. And so anybody who wants to, including myself, can go in and access the archives and listen to my old radio shows. And also, I'm a firm believer in the word being spread into the psychosphere of this planet. The words that are spoken contribute to either the creation or destruction of the universe. I believe we are microcosms of the universe. You know, in the Bible, one of my favorite books, I don't believe everything the Bible says, but most of it, and it's a, a book of great wisdom and truth that shines with a light that is telling of divine intervention like the world has never seen before. No other book talks about all these things in our past, like the miracles with Moses and the miracles with Jesus and the resurrection, all of those miracles, which really, truly did happen. You know, it's not a fantasy book, it's a reality book. And the reason I don't believe all of it, because I know that the men who were responsible for writing it and the ones who interpreted it later and the ones who helped in the rewriting of the Bible, didn't always have the best interest of telling the truth in mind. You have to understand, I understand that religion is a money-making business, and so seeking money and power through domination of people was in the forefront of what people back then were trying to do. Agreed? Agreed? I was talking with a young man who gave a speech today in my Toastmasters Club this morning, as I was telling Don, that in regards to the Bible, in Genesis, it talks about how God created the universe in seven days. You know, it doesn't say the solar system. It says everything, right? In seven days, no, I don't think so. One single solar system in one single galaxy, takes approximately, to my best opinion, oh, hold on just a minute. The door is open. Is he coming out? It takes approximately 100,000 years to create a solar system. Now, there might be an analogy involved in that, and I've heard also say, people say that 1,000 years here on earth is like a day in heaven. But I don't think they were people back then were thinking about that. Suffice it to say, the universe wasn't created in seven days. And. That's just one example without going into any others, because I could go on and on, especially, let me tell you, I've talked about this before. And by the way, welcome all you extraterrestrials out there listening in your spaceship, wherever you are, parked out there in Earth's orbit or somewhere in the atmosphere of the Earth. <laughs> I like to say that, you know, because I believe, I truly believe that they can their technology is so incredible that they're able to listen from great distances to whatever they want to listen to. 
And why would they listen to me? Because I'm one of a kind, my friends. I am the truth, the light, and the way. And a great blasphemer, too. Just like Jesus was, right? I can also show you how to get to the Father. And the Mother. <laughs> and that's a big discrepancy in the Bible. They don't talk about a mother God. But when you get to heaven one day, you Christians out there, are you going to look around and say, Am I really a motherless children, child, a motherless child in heaven? No, I don't think so. Really, the intelligent way to think about that, the illogical way to think about that is just like here on earth, as it is in heaven, right? On earth, as it is in heaven, you need a male and a female to create. We were created before we were born on this earth, our spirits and our souls, which inhabit our physical bodies. We are spirits in the material world. Now, the police sang that song back in the 70s, so you know, since they sang it, it had to be right. They were a great rock band. I'm just being facetious. But my point is, our spirits and souls were created by our mother and father God, and I know how to. It might be a little bit above your head and out in right field, you want to know? You want to know how they created our spirits and our souls? Well, remember, I will. I'll, I'll help you out. Since you're interested in learning and you have an open mind and you can think outside the box. In heaven, and it's going to be so wonderful there, it is a world of light. Know any world of lights out there in the sky? And there's more than one, yes, because there's other life out there in the universe, too. Other beings, other sentient, other sentient, other sentient beings indigenous to their planet's atmosphere. Born on other suns, their spirits and souls. Born in the spirit world. So, our mother and father God, this is how they do it. And remember how it says in the Bible... In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. Like I said, there's so much, so much greatness in the Bible, but I don't believe everything. Maybe 90%. You wouldn't persecute me for, you Christians out there, you wouldn't persecute me for believing in 90% of the Bible, would you? Well, I've already explained one discrepancy, and I could explain a lot more, but I don't know if it would do any good... Maybe if my logic was sound enough and irrefutable enough, you'd change your mind. But for the time being, the process of creating a soul in the spirit is this. The mother and father God are spirits, right? Just like anything else in the universe, they're interested in growth. Growth is the key word in the universe. That's what the supreme creator who initiated the Big Bang wants more than anything. And what do you know about growth, my friends? What do you know about growth? I know you were a baby once, as I was, and now we are adults. So, our mother and father God, when you get to heaven, they're going to be so, their spirits are so huge. that As they sit on their thrones, in the throne room, it's a beautiful place, an awesome place, there's the sea of glass in front of it where all the redeemed and angels dance and have fun and enjoy themselves. Hold on just a minute.
So when the Supreme Creator created the universe, the Supreme Creator is both male and female, a spirit that's hard to comprehend, that has power also beyond comprehension, omniscience, intelligence, and knowledge that can look into the past and into the future. And part of the plan of the Supreme Creator was to create solar systems that would be commanded, if you will, commanded by a co-creator God. And so people like you and me, who are co-creator gods in the making, living one life and then another on different planets throughout the universe in that process of reincarnation, until we reach a level of perfection where we're able to create and have the knowledge to create. And the Supreme Creator put these powers in existence for us to access with knowledge of how to do it. Just like, how do you make a planet? Or how do you make a sun? You've heard the expression, let there be light. Well, it's a little more complicated than that, besides just those words. You also need a soulmate. You need a male and female who merge their spirits and become one. Just like the Supreme Creator, both male and female. But then when we're born into existence in the spirit world in heaven, if you will, we are separated. We have a soulmate, if you will. A male and female, parts of the whole, equal halves, male and female. And when our mother and father God meld or merge their spirits and their thoughts are in synchronicity and they speak words in synchronicity and they know what words to speak and with the knowledge of what they're intending to do, what they're trying to create, they can put into existence whatever they're asking, whatever words they use, whether it's a planet or son, or spirit children, and we are the children of God. There's one thing that really burns me, so to speak, burns. Okay, I don't like getting angry, you know. And I, most times I don't. And I'm getting a lot better at not getting angry in certain situations because I realize that sometimes when I get angry, I get sick afterwards because I let my guard down. We're not supposed to. We're supposed to control our emotions and work out our differences diplomatically, talk over our problems, just like that song, Second Chance. It goes like this. I look to the sky and everything is turning gray. All I made was one mistake. How much more do I have to take? Why can't we talk it over? Why can't we forget about the past? When love makes a sound, babe, a heart needs a second chance. A heart needs a second chance, my friends. So whether you're having problems with your significant other or whoever, I guess the point was that we should be able to talk out our problems. That's why there's been wars before in the past. Male leadership 
has took us down the wrong road, and we need more female leadership in the world. But back to what I was saying. So the word, that's why it behooves us to be careful with the words, with the words we speak, you know? And you know there's life out there. Does anybody think there isn't life out there? Are you, if you think there's no life out there, you're one of those people that used to think the world was flat, just like them. Human beings that existed back then, just like we're existing now. And the people also, human beings that walk this earth just like we're walking it now. 500 years ago, who thought that the earth was at the center of the universe? And then Copernicus said, no, guess what? The earth revolves around our sun, the sun revolves around the center of the Milky Way galaxy, and the Milky Way galaxy revolves around the center of the universe. So right now we're stuck in that Copernican gap, not knowing that there are, there are thousands, hundreds of thousands of sentient beings out there, just like us, humanoid, most of them, you know, with two arms, two legs, heads. Some have been traveling throughout the universe for hundreds of millions of years, and, you know, here we are in a spiral arm of the Milky Way galaxy. And when the universe was created approximately 15 billion years ago, and one solar system after another, one galaxy after another, and I'm going to guess, you know, as far as when you have so many solar systems, so many solar systems, it, that comprises a galaxy of maybe approximately um, maybe uh, 200,000 solar systems in a galaxy, you know, with their own suns, or maybe more. They say astronomers and scientists tend to exaggerate when it comes to how many suns there are out there in the universe, you know. And you can call them stars, too, but I prefer to call them suns. In fact, Carl Sagan... The late, great Carl Sagan, may God bless his soul, once said, and he got this information from somewhere, I don't know if it was his idea, but he said, for every grain of sand on every beach on planet Earth, there's a sun out there in the universe. There's an equal amount of suns. And I don't believe that. They tend to exaggerate because it makes them seem more important, I think. Because why? Because they're not advanced souls. They're younger souls. They don't have the benefit of having lived more past lives than someone else. And it's, it's really not a competition, my friends. It's just like if you go to school and you have an older brother or sister who's maybe four or five grades above you, it doesn't mean that they're better than us. It just means that they've been in existence longer and have had the opportunity to educate themselves more over those years, additional years. It's the same with souls, too. And some souls, they just don't know. They just don't know, period. The universe is an amazingly, almost incomprehensibly large place. And the Supreme Creator is a creator of bodies and planets and suns. The Supreme Creator is a creator, period, who loves to create. Think of all the life here on Earth, over a million types of insects, each one beautifully created with individual minds capable of taking them wherever they want to go, thinking for themselves, self-defense mechanisms, reproductive systems, 
little metabolisms capable of eating food and digesting it and expelling it, eyes that see. I think one of the reasons, one of the plans, part of the plan of the Supreme Creator was to create beings that would have eyes that the Supreme Creator could access at any time in the lifetime of an individual sentient being throughout the universe. So God, the Supreme Creator of the universe, could see wherever his creations are. Just like I read in a book called The Soul's Remembrance, when we are babies in our mother's wombs, we can look through our eyes. Did you know that? It's true. We can look through our mother's eyes. We can experience what she's experiencing. We can feel what she's feeling. And it's logical, right? I mean, our mothers, we're part of them. They're part of us. What they put into their body to digest, the food that they consume, nourishes the baby during the nine months of fetal development. It should be no surprise that the baby can know everything that the, is going on in the mother's body. And that's just part of what a baby can do, look through the mother's eyes. Just like God... The Supreme Creator can also look through our eyes at any time without really us knowing it. You might feel something not knowing what had happened. And also with the animal life, too. Yes, because they have eyes like an eagle's eyes, for example, or the eyes of a hippopotamus or a giraffe or an insect like a praying mantis or an ant or a fly, an ordinary housefly beautiful, complex eyes. Do you think you could create the eye of a fly? This little creature who we smash with fly swatters, flying around and just looking for food, not really having a, a routine or a plan on where it wants to go. It's just looking for food based on what it smells and sees. Has very complex eyes. And there's over a million types of insects. There's also 10,000 types of birds. Beautiful birds. I mean, think about all the different types of birds. Could you create a bird, my friend? Why not? How about over 30,000 types of fish in the ocean, seas, rivers, and lakes? Could you create, let's say, a, a moray eel? Or how about... A blue whale? Or how about a lemon shark? Or maybe a mackerel or a bonito? Or a tuna? Or how about a crab or a lobster? And they have eyes. They can see. Our God, our creator of the universe is a creator of eyes. It's wonderful. It's great. No reason to be excited or worried, my friends. Let's just enjoy the ride. We are here to learn. Now, I might be wrong. If I am wrong, well, no big deal. You know, I'm trying to learn. As we go forth in life, all of us trying to learn, we realize that sometimes we're given information that is not true or accurate. So we have to make our own decisions as to what is true as we seek the truth and I think we're all truth seekers, are we not? 
And since tomorrow isn't guaranteed for all of us, then it behooves us to learn as much as we can before we graduate from this existence into the afterlife. Sometimes I kind of scare myself. But then again, I wake up in the morning and it's a brand new day and it seems like all my worries and fears are washed away. And it's a new start. But I am proud and I enjoy developing myself spiritually. I've said this before in other shows. I'll say it again. In case you didn't know, and here's something to remember for the future. You know the reason we're here on earth? Do you know the reason we're here? To develop ourselves spiritually. It's not to raise children. It's not to get a job and make a lot of money. It's not to have fun and enjoy the pleasures of life and drink all you want and take drugs. It's not to make love to every member of the opposite sex that you want to or can. It is to develop spiritually. That's why we're here. And a young soul won't realize that. It's the older souls that know that's true, my friends. So I've come to the point where I'm going to read from a book. I've got quite a lot of books. I wrote a book myself in the Amazon Kindle bookstore called The Gray Brain and the Golden Soul. The Gray Brain, G-R-A-Y, Brain, and the Golden Soul, S-O-U-L. Why is it called that, you might ask? Because, my friends, the soul is very simply the brain of the spirit, just like we have a brain for our physical bodies. The brain of the spirit is the soul, and the spirit resembles our physical bodies in many ways. You'll see when you get to the afterlife. I'll see. It's going to be very interesting. I'm in no hurry to get there, but my friends, with all this violence going on in the world today and having gone on throughout the centuries for hundreds of years, people killing each other, wars where hundreds and thousands of people are killed, isn't the time right always right for a little bit of spirituality like I've been talking about? Or are you too frightened? Would you rather go to war and get killed or kill somebody instead? If you know what I mean. So I'm going to grab a book here. There's a race of extraterrestrials that are out there who tried to make contact with us. I talk about them on many radio shows. I've talked about them on many radio shows. And they are supposedly, according to the book, the dominant species of the universe. They are about five feet tall. They have grayish tannish skin, they have dark eyes, a little bit slanted, the pointed ears, and they are, of course, extremely, extremely intelligent and have been traveling throughout the universe for hundreds of millions of years because they existed before our solar system was born, before our galaxy was born. How could you not think that there's life elsewhere in the universe based on what I just said? Right? Because 
before our galaxy was created, there were other galaxies. And the creator of the universe who loves to create planets and stars and bodies of animal life and sentient beings and plant life also, you know, the four forces of the universe, the first force created all the plant planets and the moons and the suns, the second force created all the animal and plant life, the third force created all the sentient beings, and the fourth force created the spiritual dimension, the parallel universe, this, where, and that includes the heavens too, which are interconnected. It's like a network. All the suns are connected, if you will. Anyway, so the verdants, they are the dominant species of the universe, and they wanted to make contact with us, and they've been trying to do so. Don't you know that here on planet Earth, there's a lot of good people, a lot of good people, decent, family-oriented, loving, kind people who want to just raise their children and ensure that they have a happy and safe life, an enjoyable life, and then they raise their own children. They don't want killing. They don't want war. They want peace. It's a small minority of people on Earth who are the troublemakers, the tyrants, the bullies, the dictators who cause trouble for all of us. Good people, you know? It's been that way. And one of the things the burdens to, and believe this or not, all the hundreds of millions of years they've been exploring the universe, they're still coming up to uncharted solar systems. Isn't that amazing? And that's what they love to do because they love learning. That's their lifelong pursuit. They don't sleep. These are sentient beings that live to be 20,000 years old. They don't sleep. They rest. But they consider sleep a form of abbreviated death and a waste of time when they could be learning. Now, some people on Earth, they try to go without sleep. Very intelligent people. My wife's one of them. But our physical bodies really need sleep. You know, that's just the way they're hardwired, so to speak. And these burdens, they wanted to make contact with us, and they put the wheels in motion, so to speak. That's what they do when they come up to an uncharted solar system, and they observe some life on a particular planet, and they, they monitor it over the hundreds of years and watch that particular species make its first steps into outer space. If they're a violent species, they don't allow them to go into outer space. Why? Because they don't want any war in space. Space is supposed to be a peaceful domain and not a place where they want weapons of destruction because weapons of destruction are for the inferior in intellect. People that can't resolve their differences by talking things over and instead get angry and then kill people. That's what's been happening. And it's usually the young souls that do that who don't know better, you know, don't have the advantage of having many past lives under their belt, so to speak. So the burdens, they came up to our solar system, saw that there was life here on planet Earth. There was also life on Mars at one time, but it cooled down and moved outside that green zone in our solar system revolving around our sun. 
and that life on Mars. And there were some sentient beings living there, as well as some plant life and some animal life. But because it cooled down, I don't know how many years ago, maybe approximately 50,000 years ago, and they noticed there was life here on Earth, and so they set up their monitoring observation posts. And, and thanks to the good people, the decent, loving, kind people, and all the artists and the musicians and the lovers on this world, they decided that we were worthy of being inducted into the Intergalactic Federation of Sovereign Planets, which is a good thing. It would have been a good thing, my friends, because... We would have become star travelers. They would have shared their technology. It would have been just like Star Trek. Can anybody dig that? Anybody want to explore the universe if you had that technology available at your disposal? I think you would, because the exploration spirit is still within each and every one of us, just like it was with Columbus and Magellan and Sir Francis Drake. Back then, those brave souls who set out across the oceans searching for greener pastures, so to speak. Anyway, let me read from that book that was created by Phil Kraft. He was abducted, taken aboard the spaceship by these burdens. So this is what they do. And he spent three days on board. Now, this man retired from the L.A. Times. Hello? From the LA Times Metro desk, hello, why would someone risk being ridiculed by his peers and all kinds of people making up some story about being abducted by aliens? They don't like really using that word abducted. They prefer unsolicited visitation. But his mission given to them, him by them, was to create this white book called The Contact Has Begun. The Contact Has Begun. Get that book. It's an amazing book. I've got it here in my right hand. I'm going to read for you from it. And so they brought him on board and they explained what they were trying to do, that everything like I've been telling you about, like I've been talking about. And as members of the Intergalactic Federation of Sovereign Planets, not only would they share their technology, but they would help us do what? Cure diseases. Oh, my God, just think of it. COVID wouldn't have happened if we made contact with them. Heart disease wouldn't exist. Cancer, all these other diseases, they would tell us right away what we're doing wrong. Well, it's because of this that that's happening. Now, don't you want to know the truth? Or you prefer to remain in ignorance, my friends. I say it in a good way because, you know, I try not to offend anybody. But me personally, I would like to make contact. Now, I know it's going to be a little bit rough at first. We have to get over that shock, that initial shock of looking into the eyes of a being that lives on another planet or has been traveling around the universe, knowing how to bend and warp time and space and travel interdimensionally into that spiritual dimension I was talking about, the thought dimension. But anyway, this book, The Contact Has Begun, is just an incredible read. The author, Phil Kraft, was a journalist with the L.A. Times, and so he has an amazing way of writing, and it's 
very humorous sometimes, and he's super intelligent too. So let me read from, I'll just pick anywhere. I know this book back and forth, like the back of my hand. So he's on board the spacecraft, on board the spacecraft, and he's in a room, and he said, it's just like the Holiday Inn, and they're giving him this indoctrination and orientation, and he goes to these meetings throughout the day, and they're explaining all the universal geography and the verdant physiology, um, and everything associated with burden, the way they raise their children, other beings within the universe, all that good stuff, right? So he's in his room, and they're feeding him. They gave him some food. And so I'm going to start reading from this chapter called The Magical Thumb. He says, I had a hearty breakfast with gusto, but I did exercise enough control to avoid stuffing myself to the point of sickness. I wondered what they did with the accident. Afterward, after we returned to the boardroom, we took our seats and the orientation and education resumed. The patching continued like that for the next 40 or so hours. The questions and answers, the long explanations, the continuous stream of information that was fed to me in college classroom type lectures and discourses. The sessions would last for four to six hours, punctuated by meal and bathroom breaks, at least for me. There was one other longer break in which I slept for eight hours. I'm going to take a drink of water. Meaning that I had two full nights sleep during my three days on board. These would equate to Wednesday and Thursday nights at home. In the initial stages of the study, the human species was classified as borderline. One that quite possibly would have to be confined to its home planet, just like I was saying. While the human animal was not considered anywhere near as vicious or ferocious as some of the worst species that the Verdans had come across, its warlike tendencies were cause for some concern. The human species, I was told, is the most diverse the Verdans had ever encountered. Such diversity is a rarity in the universe of civilized beings. And although the virgins have come to expect the unexpected, this came as a mild surprise to them. Until they discovered humans, they had never encountered a species in which there were wide character variations between individuals in the group. That is, a species might be good or evil, or any graduation in between, but never good and evil existing side by side in the same species. Additionally, each individual was a microcosm of the whole. That meant that we could judge the character of an entire civilization by simply studying one individual, the E.T. Tom said. If we found a moral individual, the species itself, as well as all other individuals, was moral. Where we came across barbarians, the species invariable, invariably turned out to be barbaric. However, discovery of human beings and the infinite variations in character that constitute the species threw a monkey wrench into that formula. 
Never before had we seen cruel and remorseless individuals exist side by side with kind and compassionate ones within the same species, Tom said. Destructive and murderous people walk among the caring ones on Earth. Tyrannical governments rule over peaceful and gentle people, while immoral people exist under benevolent governments, benevolent governments. This phenomenon, this range of diversity among humans is absolutely fascinating. Your long history of warfare, which we have personally observed, told us that we were looking at a savage race, Tom continued. On the group level, we witnessed international conflict, corruption, thievery, the rape of the environment, the plunder of natural resources, and the unspeakable cruelty of genocide. On an individual level, we observed mendacity, thievery, murder, child abuse, hypocrisy, sadism, and cowardice of epidemic proportions. All of these things spoke of a depraved species, Tom explained. But closer scrutiny revealed individual accomplishments in the arts, music, literature, and architecture that demonstrated a surprising nobility of spirit and mind. It was these redeeming qualities that caused the birds to change their minds about us. Humankind's status was upgraded to acceptable after the burden scientists had enough data to confidently predict that the species could be safely welcomed into the intergalactic community with certain reservations. So it wouldn't be a stretch to say that humankind will find its place in the heavens thanks to the refined intelligent, gentle, cultured people who walk among us. It was their contributions that caught the burden's attention and convinced them that the species was worth nurturing. The nurturing of the human species presented a unique challenge, they said, one that they had never faced before. Typically, when helping to prepare other species to make the transition from planet-bound animal to star traveler, the verdant simply shared their technology with the entire civilized species. But that formula won't work because of humankind's unrivaled diversity. The goal in this case is to preserve the redeeming qualities in the species while ensuring the darker elements of the human character personified by the dangerous rogues of society are isolated. In other words, to resort to a platitude, they wouldn't throw the baby out with the bathwater. That is, the better nature of humankind represented by the gentle people, the artists, the thinkers, the lovers, the dreamers, the scholars, the builders, the hundreds of millions of moral people who live ordinary lives of decency would be welcomed into the Intergalactic Federation of Sovereign Planets. 
but there would be no place in the cosmos for the wicked and immoral, those who by their very words and deeds on earth have demonstrated that they are not fit candidates for membership in the cosmic community. One prime example of those to be excluded would be leaders of government whose record on human rights fall short of minimum standards. The burdens have decided that the best approach to achieve these goals is to encourage the good people of Earth to police themselves, to take responsibility for ensuring that the dangerous scoundrels are quarantined and not allowed access to the heavens. Any failure in this regard could lead to a loss of privileges for the entire species. I'll stop reading right there and say that we were on track. Beginning in 1997, approximately, or a few years before then, contact was supposed to be around 2010 where they would have had a summit in the American Southwest. They have all these ambassadors and envoys that they abducted or brought aboard their spaceship and gave them this indoctrination and orientation, people from all walks of life and every country around the world. That was part of their plan, which had been tested over the millions of years in regard to what they do when they induct a new species into the Federation, Intergalactic Federation, Sovereign Planet. And we were on track. Mr. Kraft wrote that book, The Contact Has Begun. And what do you think happened to stop that? What do you think happened to stop that plan, to have the summit, to have us inducted into the Intergalactic Federation? so that we could become star travelers and, and have access to their technology and humankind would have taken a giant step in this evolution. What do you think happened? I'll tell you what happened. 9-11. 9-11. And they saw those two airplanes fly into the World Trade Center's and the Pentagon, in Flight 93, killed all those people on the ground in Pennsylvania, all those people that were killed when the trade centers came down. And what did they think? What do you think they thought? Well, we gave them a chance. We gave them a break. Thanks to all the good people, the artists, the lovers, the musicians, the scholars, the builders. But that darker side of humanity, that element of rogues and scoundrels, the tyrants, the boys, the dictators, orchestrated the greatest terrorist attack in humankind's history and prevented us from taking that giant step in our evolution, becoming star travelers. Anybody out there want to be a star traveler? Like a Star Trek? For sure, for real? I mean, for real. Or do you prefer to stay here on Earth, making your money day after day, enduring all the pain and sorrow that we go through? 
Yeah, there are little bits of joy here and there, happiness. But for the most part, you know, planet Earth, it's a beautiful, beautiful world. It's a wonderful world. But it's also known throughout the universe, yes, it's true, as a planet of sorrows. Why is that? Why is it a planet of sorrows? Because very simply, my friends, planet Earth is a category one planet on a scale of one to nine, meaning it's at the bottom of the evolutionary ladder. And we're here to learn basic social values, to learn to love each other. With all the killing that's happened in the past, all the wars, is anybody ready for peace into the future? Or do you want to still have wars? The choice is yours. Do you want war or do you want peace? If you want peace, then the way forward is making contact with the other life that we know exists out there. We know. We don't just believe. We know. We bridge the gap between belief and knowledge and say, we know there is life out there. That is the intelligent thing to do. That is the logical thing to do. And besides, I can prove to you that there is life out there. Simply with logic, my friends. I've said this before in other shows. As I mentioned previously, over a million types of insects on Earth, over 30,000 types of fish in the ocean, seas, rivers, and lakes, over 10,000 10, types of birds, over 10,000 types of reptiles, over 9,000 types of amphibians, over 5,000 types of mammals, all the thousands of types of flowers and trees, the fruits and vegetables, of all that life happened by accident, by accident, no creator, just by accident. Logically, couldn't it happen by accident on another planet elsewhere in the universe? And you know they're discovering new planets all the time. NASA is with the James Haas Space Telescope, or is it the James Webb Space Telescope, and also the Kepler Space Telescope. They've discovered over a thousand so far. They've discovered over a few hundred solar systems. So don't tell me that there aren't other planets out there. They've already found them. If you believe in what they tell you, these astronomers and scientists, why wouldn't you believe them? So just take one of those planets that they've discovered, over a thousand. If all this life on Earth happened by accident here on planet Earth, Logically, it could happen by accident on that planet. Of course, they're not able to see close up what the planet looks like and able to see into its atmosphere to see if it does have life like here on Earth, but they know the planet exists and what it looks like, what color even, I think. I'm not sure about that. So again, the question, my friend, you want life? and peace in the future or war and killing like we've had so much, so, 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 so much in our past. If you want life and peace, then the way forward is making contact with extraterrestrials that are out there, that have been looking at us over the years, 
over the hundreds of years. And that's just one race. Watch the video on YouTube called Unacknowledged. There have been at least 60 different species of extraterrestrials who have made contact with humans here on Earth throughout our history. Over 60 species, and probably a lot more. The pyramids in Egypt, the Mayans, the Incas, were all influenced by extraterrestrials in the past. Atlantis existed in the northern Atlantic Ocean. Lemuria, or Mu, existed in the Pacific Ocean. Easter Island had contact with extraterrestrials. Those statues there were crafted in their image. Over 10,000 people in Phoenix, Arizona, in 1997, saw a mile-long spaceship fly over the city at nighttime. Over 10,000. You think all those 10,000 made that story up just to get recognition or create a hoax? Be logical, my friends. 5,000 people saw a spaceship in the Hudson Valley in New York in the late 80s. 5,000 people saw it, called in, called the police. 5,000, 10,000 in Phoenix, Arizona. There's enough evidence besides what I told you to prove that there is life out there unless you think it belongs to the U.S. government. But you don't know that. All you know is that a spaceship flew over the city of Arizona. That's all we know. And over the Hudson Valley in New York, thousands of people saw those spacecraft. Now, Phoenix is close to Area 51, and we know that the U.S. government's working on some secret technology there, but a mile-long spaceship, you really think we have that technology right now? And it was silent. Both spaceships were silent with no visible propulsion systems, anti-gravity, electromagnetic capabilities, my friends. That's the future. I've got one minute, my friends. So thank you for listening. I love you. God loves you. So do I. The supreme creator of the universe is so amazing and awesome. We live to praise the creator for the creation that's around us. Here's a prayer. Supreme creator of the universe and mother and father God in heaven. Thank you for the miracles that abound in everyday life. Many, many thanks. Please bless us and help us, everyone, to make contact with extraterrestrials. Amen. Goodbye, everybody. Talk to you next week.